Alright, motherfuckers. How y'all doing tonight? That's right, you know what time it is. It's Monday night, that means it's a powwow with Pops. And that's right, it's me, Pops. The one and only. No, I'm sure there's many more. There's actually, there's three or four in my own family that are named Pops. So I'd have to, I'm not that original, but maybe the only one in Gainesville. So, uh, but yeah, I'm back at you tonight. I'm here with another good friend of mine. Um, this gentleman, uh, I would say, who maybe met 15 years ago? 14? More? Maybe more. Could know. be more than that. It's such a blur. It's a, it is a blur. <laughs> more for me than him, I assure you. Uh, but yes, um, but anyways, uh, I'm here tonight at a local tattoo parlor in Gainesville, Florida called Anthem Tattoo. And I am here with one of the artists uh, and my good friend... And a uh, good guitar player, too. It's all right. He's, he plays guitar. I got a couple tricks. Uh, and around here we call him Sleepy Dave, right? Is that, is, that, is that what you like to go by, Sleepy Dave? There's just so many Daves that makes it easy. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with Sleepy Dave tonight. I like, I like it. Because I'm going to go with Pops. So you can go Sleepy Dave. I'm in. What is your name? Sleepy Dave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I see it. So, what's up, Dave? Not a lot, just uh, as you were walking in, I was uh, catching up with a pal, just finished working today. Yeah. Um, been looking forward to this. Good, I'm Mostly glad. Mostly because uh, I, don't, I don't get too many breaks from my routine, you know? Yeah. My life is so dense. Uh, mostly because of the, the children that my wife and I made. Yeah. You guys have two now, right? Dos Bambinos. Dos. Dos Bambinos. Right. And how old are they? Victor, my oldest son, is three, and my younger son, Malcolm, is about 17 months, 16 months. Wow, 16, 17 months already. Yeah. Wow. Time's fine, dude. It sure is, yeah. And uh, just kind of caught, caught up in how fast it's trucking by. My wife and I were talking the other night about how... Who said uh, children are the gasoline on the fire of life or something like that? Yeah, like, yeah. The moment you have kids, everything just kind of goes up in flames. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally, sometimes, but figuratively, it just we didn't know our life could fly this fast by. That's it, why when you were saying, yeah. like, what, 15 years ago? Like, fuck, I don't know. Dude, it seems, it's like it was a long fucking time. It's It feels at <clears> least <throat> that long. I mean, it's, it's, you moved to, what, okay, so, okay. When did you move to Gainesville? I moved here in 1996. Okay, so yeah, it's it's got to be that long. It's got to be close to fucking 20 years then, probably. Holy shit. I will the first couple years of Gainesville for me were pretty reclusive. I've definitely kept my head down for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, who knows? So it's hard to say when I cross paths with a lot of people. Yeah. You, as far as I know, you've always been in my life. Yeah. Um, and you're, I'm, I'm guessing by the banner up there, by that, that team that tries really hard every year, you're from Ohio. <laughs> I grew up in Cleveland. Ohio, in Cleveland, Ohio? Yeah. Um, so born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, on the west side, in a town called Bay Village, about 10 minutes outside. Okay, and, you, and uh, both your parents from there as well? 
Uh, my mom grew up there. Okay. My dad grew up in a little town in Pennsylvania called Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes-Barre. Love that town. Okay. Yeah. yeah I guess outside of Wilkes-Barre. Very industri- industrial, industrial type town. Lots yeah. of row houses. Yep. Streets and rows and rows of row houses, actually. Uh, so I take it he probably moved to Ohio then and then met your mom there. Yeah. Okay. Did you go there to go to college or anything like that or school? Yeah, I actually did. Um, I'm guessing my dad's not going to listen to this, so I don't need to feel bad that I can't remember what college he went to. But yeah, he left Wilkes-Barre. It was, you know, he was outside of Wilkes-Barre in like a little coal miner town. Okay. And uh, he moved. So I'm guessing by your age and his age, his family is probably coal miners of some sort? Were they doing that kind of work? Or? Well, his dad actually owned a bar. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, so he got to watch all the cool shit that happened on Friday and Saturday nights after a week of coal mining. I'm sure there's some stories that, uh, I'm trying to crack some of the stories out of my dad. Dude, actually, you should, uh, dude, that'd be some shit to fucking record right there. Absolutely. And I definitely have taken some audio. His brother lives down in Melbourne. And, okay. Uh, Shout out to Melbourne. There. Melbourne. I will definitely just listen to them yell at each other and nice. sneak my phone up and, <laughs> or the little audio record thing and, uh got some choice moments of them it's all in the subtext it's really beautiful yeah people get to that age and you know their brothers or their good friends and there's just so many innuendos on innuendos and inside things and uh they get so many of the jokes and everybody else is lost usually you know like you guys have to ask like what the fuck does that mean exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah no that's yeah. cool so ohio um so you so um when were you born 1976. So 1976, Cleveland, Cleveland, in the suburbs of Cleveland, I'm guessing, yeah? So you kind of grew up in the suburbs, like yep. uh, brothers and sisters? I have two brothers and a sister. Okay, so good good sized family then. Yeah. Um, religious folks? We were, I guess you could say raised Catholic. I don't know if that makes us religious or not. Just you were Catholic? Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. Um, so what was what was school what was school like for you kindergarten like through high school what was that experience like like for you? Um, wow. Um, well, I guess some of my earliest school memories are you know I feel like I had almost in a lot of ways like a really great Midwestern type childhood you know a yeah. Lot of, uh, you know, now that I have my own kids, they're like this time machine into my own past. I could only imagine, yeah. And I I definitely, I saw actually something, whatever, some ridiculous meme. Uh, it was, I survived free-range parenting or whatever. <laughs> right, right. It was like a picture of this kid on like a BMX bike going off like a two-by-four propped up on a log. Yeah, the most unsafe shit, right? Yeah. Well, they, that's what they talk about. They always see those things on Facebooks. Like, if you if you're a kid from the '70s, you can you could have survived anything. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we used to jump like see. two stories off of a roof and land on the ground, like on our feet. Yeah. Off of dares. Exactly. You could have broken your legs, but we were like. We lived right up the street from some train tracks. We would go to the train tracks. Crazy on the train tracks. See who could stand closer to the train. We would go fishing in the creeks. Catching tadpoles. Yeah. I, I don't remember, you know, I remember some moments of school, but I mostly remember being outside, uh, hanging out at the tracks, skateboarding, yeah. you know, and then high school, you know. Was school never really your focus? Were you always seemed more interested in things outside of school, seeing that you're an artist? I mean, were you 
kind of was your art, your thing in school, and then like everything else is kind of like second nature, or? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I definitely was the kid that kind of glommed onto the art teachers and would spend extra time in the art classes, love drawing. It was, you know, it was almost like a shelter. Yeah. Maybe the first, the first drug I ever did was, you know, the, the feeling of creating. Yeah. A piece of artwork that I felt connected to, or something like that. When know? when do you think? When do you think? What grade do you think that might have been? I actually when? remember it was first grade. I drew this gorilla, and Mrs. Carnance, my first grade teacher, really made a big deal out of it. And there was something inside me that I, I could kind of see my gorilla amidst all the other animals that everyone had created. And, and you knew. You kind of had a feeling like there's some. You kind of got the idea of that what gorilla. it was better than everyone else did. Or That's how I felt when I was... me. I don't know if it was, felt like it was more better or whatever, but... Because, like, when I... Like, my thing was always, like, um... Uh... Like, you know, at certain points in a picture. You know, I could do, like, building scapes and stuff like that. Like, long road scapes with the buildings and get all the right angles, you know. So you could, like, you get, You know, I, I like doing all that kind of different angled from different areas of the kind of just drawn cityscapes for some reason right. i was really big into cityscapes liked to paint them got into ceramics did all that kind of stuff to me i think the first time i got excited about something is i made a and first it was first grade and what was her name i can't remember the teacher's name super nice lady i was such a fucking pain in the ass because the whole i mean like if we weren't doing something creative i was like making spaceships with my erasers you know, doing that shit, like, coming in like it's the Death Star, and you're like... Right. I was playing Star Wars, is what yeah. I was doing with the racers. Naturally. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, kind of like yelling out cuss words just every once in a while, just because I was just testing to see if I would get in trouble. Right. How far can I push it? <laughs> shit! Did you hear me? Are you my three-year-old? Yes, exactly. <laughs> shit! Shit. But no, I think I made, I, made a, I made a comic book. And it was called uh, Palo... The, the, the super mouse Awesome And it was about this mouse that lived underground And did all stuff And then years later Danger Mouse came out And I was like It was so The idea of it was so close Like he had a butler Like a, a, a butler a gra- Yeah yeah ping, Just like the whole, this whole story He had an underground lair I drew the underground lair The cars You know all the different rooms in the underground And had like 25 pages And I won like first place in the class for the thing Right. And that was like that was my first. I was like, yeah, that my moment where I was like, oh shit, I maybe I don't have to do math all the time. I can draw, and maybe something good could happen. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was what pushed <laughs> me towards art. Was I can I can do this. I don't have to do math. Right. You know. Okay. So so um, you get get an art. I'm I, I'm guessing six was so you're sixth seventh eighth grade that's about what year 85? i graduated in 94 so yeah i guess high school would have started 89 okay okay uh, okay 89 90 somewhere in there okay 88 so it, so were you were you did you when did you get into music like i would say what was the first music you got into <clears throat> well the first well, graduate that i ever bought i remember i remember when thriller came out and, uh, you know, I don't, we never really had cable or anything, so somehow I did see the Thriller video, but, you know, that was like the first music where I just 
Yeah. Was really carried away by it. And then Hollow Notes. Okay. Uh, Big Band Boom. Were the, so Good I, album. You know, You're out of touch. You're out of time. Yeah. Method of Modern Love. Oh, M-E-T-H-O-D. M-E-T-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V-E. Method of Modern Love. You know what I'm dreaming Such a good album. That's a good one. Yeah. But so that I was like I was really young, but I remember like just the magic of putting a cassette in the radio and just being the pilot of everything. Okay. And even my brother and I would make our own like little fake radio shows. We would like record oh, songs shit. off the radio and then like edit around it. Like uh, you guys should do that shows. now. That would be really funny. <laughs> I I wondered, you know, there's probably troves of hilarious stuff in my in my family's basement. Dude, that's uh, seriously like that's the kind of stuff like seriously people. Like, lately I've been watching this guy, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him, you might not have, but he was a, he was a, a videographer in New York who hung out with the club kids and knew RuPaul, and his name was Nelson Sullivan. And he was like the first guy who just walked around all the time with a video camera in New York. And it's him from 1983, go on YouTube, it's him walking around New York from 1983, just clips, 1983 to 1989, he died one night, he had a heart attack. In a, uh, at a party in, on the 4th of July and he was about to get his own TV show like a, he was about to make it like shit. he was going to quit a job and have his own cool like video show of him like around New York like shit was happening he had done interviews for England BBC Switzerland all this stuff so shit was about to happen and then he died so you go on there and watch him and it, this guy there's some, I don't know what it is about this guy but I'm so fascinated about this guy like the artistry and what he's doing because it was so way the fuck ahead of its time like what you and your brother were doing was way ahead of its time it's kind of like a podcast of Mystery Science 3000 yeah. like mixed you're, into you're one you're certainly giving us too much credit at this point no but, no no yeah. because the idea was there you know that's like that's a cool artistic idea to do something like that because most people don't fucking do that shit so yeah. I mean maybe that shows your love for music too like you guys were willing to go to that distance like you had the love for music that much I mean do you I mean I'm taking you play music so I, I, I take it music it means a lot to you like it, it absolutely just, it yeah. plays a big part in your I, life in the last like few years especially I've really you know not unlike our our conversation before we hit record you know just the things that are special to us music um, in Gainesville are so closely I feel like Gainesville really turned me on to stuff that I might not have been able to get in touch with. Yeah. Had I, you know, stayed in Cleveland, nothing against, you know, what was going on in Cleveland, certainly. You probably would have probably, you would have found their scene, what whatever was kind of going sure. on there yeah. kind of thing. It definitely would have been probably different. Certainly different, yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, you know, it was integrity and face value and okay. monsters and... A little bit more of like the hardcore metal stuff. So were you more straight edgy? No, no. Did you not, not get into straight stuff? You liked? Did you like? So you liked? You liked? Were you listening to like Chromags and shit like that, yeah. or did you yeah. get into I mean, that the, metal? The, those were all Cleveland bands. That, yeah. And, uh, I guess Face Value was straight edge. I never identified as straight edge. I was never. I didn't get. I didn't stop doing drugs until I was twenty. Okay. But until then. Definitely yeah. Yeah. Okay, so music. So, what was high school like? Was high school like skate, skateboarding, punk shows? Yeah, the whole was, lot. Did yeah, you get yeah, like sleeping with my skateboard? Yeah, type stuff all the time. Yeah, playing guitar. I, I sneaking never, out of the house a lot. Absolutely, yeah. Was that so? That was a very common, common yeah, thing for you guys. Do? House, what did you guys? What 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 was your like? 
in 10th grade, like, 10th or 11th grade, what was, like, your guys' thing? Like, you guys would sneak out, everybody would have their skateboards. Where the fuck would you guys go? Well, there were a couple, like, uh, kind of admin-type buildings that, okay. you know, had street lights. Any any parking lot with a street, street light land. where we could, you know, get high, skateboard. <laughs> right. Uh, stuff like that. Um, How were the cops around there? It, it was it was touchy. Uh they weren't going to pursue us on foot, so generally we felt pretty safe. Right. If we could get away. Usually, you, I'm sure you guys usually had your plan. It's definitely over a fence. Over a fence, into the woods. <laughs> into the woods, Lots yeah. of, uh, you know, if, we could, if we could make it behind the house, that was that. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, but, you know, a lot of typical type yeah. run-ins with law enforcement. I feel like, you know, obviously now, you know, if you flick on the news, you know, one out of every five stories is something about what's happening with police in America. Yeah. You know, and... In, in a pre-internet, pre-cell phone world, you know, I feel like everybody, the, the teenagers included, mm-hmm. and the police included, you know, with it, there just wasn't as much, there weren't as many eyes or something like that. So yes, no, I, think, I think there's, I feel there's a little bit more accountability, maybe. Yeah, the, the accountability there, but you know, it's like, yeah, they, I think, I think, but see, the thing is too, I think the good thing about having video is you're definitely holding everyone accountable in the situation you know what i mean so yeah. even if the person who got shot's lying you know that sucker's lying right you know so if a cop shoots him and this dude's like i was racist and that you know what i mean like everyone's held accountable equally right that's the important part you know to me to me it's this is my thing not that i, I nothing against police officers i've never had a good encounter with one myself personally <laughs> I have nothing against them personally. I don't know them personally. I can't have them, you know, something get Outside of their uniform, I have nothing against what they do, anything, shape, or form. The guys that I've come in contact with, where I've had bad situations with, it was a bad situation. I tried to play as cool as I could play it on my side, how I was raised to deal with police officers. See, I was raised to deal, to deal with them differently. When they came up to you, you told them what, what was going on. That's how we. I was raised to deal with cops. Because they work for you, and that's like that's the southern way I was raised to deal with police officers. I don't deal with police officers that way anymore because I know they have a shit hard time nowadays. But I even my cop, my, I have a cousin who's a cop, and I call her a pig. She loved it. She loved it. Loves it. I'm sure. Yeah. She loved it. Who doesn't love that? She loves that. She's like that's so friendly. Yeah. No. I'm joking. Okay, I do so remember, I mean, one of the things I think guys our age, when I, you know, I was just up at uh, Northeast Pool yesterday with the kids for Mother's Day and yeah. my wife, and, you know, they have a skate park there. Every time I look at that, I'm like, golly, the city built skate Could parks. Could you imagine now. if they would have done that stuff for yeah, us? Yeah, in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, every time I was on my skateboard and a cop <laughs> saw me, he was chasing <laughs> me, he was going to grab my skateboard and throw it in the creek and did arrest you guys, me. And did you guys do the big skateboarding's not a crime thing back then? Like yeah, I was we, picking up in Florida back in the late 80s? Yeah, skateboarding's like, not a crime. You everybody plant stickers everywhere? We were rotten kids, so any excuse to, <laughs> yeah. to put a sticker somewhere. and uh, I mean... Uh, <laughs> When this thing gets shut off, I'll tell you a couple stories. But I mean, it was—it <laughs> was definitely skateboarding. Yeah. Did, I mean, skateboarding kind of ruined my life. Thankfully, yeah. it was like a super rogue outlaw thing, and now you know, now there's skateboarding shops in the mall. Yeah. Know? Now it's a different, yeah. definitely a different thing. So you you hang out there, you're skating, you're doing all this stuff. Uh, you graduate. Um, 
do you stay in do you, do you stay in Cleveland? Did you start college? Well, I, or did you, what did you do after you graduated high school? What I was had your, uh, one of my very dearest and oldest friends. His name is Galen McGee. He's a fantastic photographer. He grew up in a church called Unitarian Universalist. Okay. And over the years of us growing up together, the Unitarians have a really interesting and um, really great youth program, I think. And his father was a minister, and uh, he was also a charter member of this retreat center in the mountains of North Carolina. Okay. And we really had no plans. I there was no there was no college. The guidance counselors were not like were, were, were your was in your family. Your parents are cool with that. Well, they had their own problems. Okay, so they, like yeah, they, they were like they were worried about your college. They right were, on. Yeah, they, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. They yeah, got their shit working. They bought me a backpack. I think when I graduated. Okay, that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fit what you can in it and get exactly. the fuck out. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> lovingly. And uh, we love you. Yeah. So Galen and I and uh, another friend of ours, Hans, we all went down to this. Essentially, you know, we referred to it as a hippie commune. They might take issue with that. Yeah. In a broad sense, but it was you know it was like this spiritual retreat center operated by a spiritual community right on and right uh, you know i had no interest in the religious the and unitarians are not it's not a dogmatic thing it's pretty much anything goes so you're not a religious type person at all right now in your life not no, no, no i no. mean i from a certain point of view maybe right you know, i regard myself as a spiritual person but um, you know you know there's some shit going on out there exactly i'm open yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> but this, so this retreat center, you know, ten percent just can't explain it. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Ten percent just can't explain. I mean, it. if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for that. <laughs> to move from Cleveland to this Unitarian Universalist retreat center was amazing because <laughs> yeah. there were all these, you know, there were gay men's and women's groups that would have retreats there. There were like music groups that would have retreats there. Big like interesting rum retreats. Uh, there were like Unitarian pagans, and then so you know the Unitarians really—it's a huge umbrella for lots of different points. Yes, of view, it is, which is really a beautiful thing. And then for me to have grown up Catholic in like a blue-collar type family, which isn't such an umbrella of beliefs. <laughs> Not, I mean, it was. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, and then to go there. Cha-ching! Cha-ching! Yeah. Right. <laughs> It was cool. And, uh, you know, also to soar through kind of uh, growing up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot of growing up there. I, it was a beautiful place in the mountains of North Carolina. And I was around beautiful people. Did and it, I, did it, uh, in this, so how old were you around this time? I would have been 18. I graduated in 94. I, I was 18. Okay. I, I immediately so this, left. So you're, do, so you're still doing drugs and stuff around this time, yeah. you say? Yep. Is this a time where you start... Uh, maybe aiming away, like leading away from it in this time period? Well, certainly, you know, the consequences of a lot of uh, the things that I was doing and my friends were doing were, were not very favorable. You know, right. people were starting to go to jail, starting to go to prison. Get hurt, um, probably. People were definitely getting hurt. Um, and so somehow this seemed like a great way out, you know? Yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't going to go to college. I had read Kerouac, so I knew you could just get in your car and start driving yeah, and see what happen. happened. Yeah. And uh, this was kind of a little landing spot. Um, and, uh, and where in North Carolina was it? It was kind of between these two towns. One town called Highlands, which is this uh, super bougie kind of okay. 
I mean, there's lots of bougie things happening there. Very beautiful place. And then Franklin, which I guess would be in the foothills, a little bit more kind of mountain, mountain folk. Mountain folk type yeah, thing. Yeah. A little more blue collar kind of. And the retreat center is on, I think it's Highway 106. I mean, it was way out there. It was probably, you know, like 25, 30 minutes at that time oh, to, wow. to get, you know, like a pack of cigarettes yeah. or something, you know, to get into town. How long were, how long did you, how long were you there for? I stayed there for just over a year. No and, shit. Yeah. I stayed there for just over a year, and while I was there, their summer program, uh, they had, like, a kids' camp, and one of the people that came to be a camp counselor lived in Gainesville. Okay. And, uh... I fell in love with her and just kind of followed her here. You know? <laughs> and that's what got that's you That's how here. I got here, yeah. yeah and so you moved here when you were... In... 19, 20. Oh, wow. So I guess 1996, moved... I'd have been 20. Oh, wow. So you moved here right around the time that you were going to be... You moved to a town that's completely just drug-induced and wild to quit doing drugs. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> well, I mean... Don't get me wrong, I did move from Sarasota to here because I knew the coke was a lot worse. So that helped me quit coke. Sure. You know. Um, and if none of you all are, if any of you are surprised by that, you shouldn't have been. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is weird, you know, I've had other people say they're going to move to Gainesville to get clean or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, man. That's a rough one. It's really, I mean, you know, I'm sure you can attest, it's really about what's going on between your ears, you know. It is. If you're you, right. Good you're, point. Ouch. When you kind of get to a place, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, deep. where you're just like, I was just done. I, I what ten percent are you using? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do it. Did I have ten percent of it? Yeah. And so you thought you were at a at, at a point that it was definitely very necessary for you to straighten yourself up and get shit straight. I was at a point where I understood that something made me different than most people. Yeah. And that. You know, I kind of like been through this, you know, very typical. So we'll go ahead and just talk about addiction. You know, I yeah, please. I, uh, you know, I, one of the things that you know, f- even in high school, I can remember thinking like, you know, people would be like, "Hey, man, why don't you just stop?" And I'd be like, "Why don't I just stop? Why can't I just stop?" Like, I, I it was like a mystery. that's a good like, fucking I, question. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, and then you know, I got to this this place out in North Carolina, and it was almost like. Just the, the claustrophobia of living within this small group of people really uh, it really ramped up that, you know, there was like, it was really hard to hide out there. And yeah. so I became very antisocial, got very sick very fast, and then uh, had kind of had, kind of had to go. You yeah. Know, I, I guess no one forced me to leave, but I, I felt like I had to go. And when I came to Gainesville, you know, just like the knowledge of, I just remember having people like look at me, like knowing at a glance that I was not like them. You know, I can remember people like saying like, "Oh, I'd love to help you out." Being like, "Wait, what the fuck? I don't need any help." You know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and so when I got to Gainesville, I immediately got involved with a community of people that you know kind of support, uh, you know, remaining abstinent yeah. um, and recovering. And that is what made the difference for me. So to say, like, I was aware of what was going on to me, like, no. I think that it's, like, one part fortune yeah. and one part desperation. Okay. And uh, and then, 
all parts fear. You know, I was no, just kind of totally. terrified of what I was capable of. I think that was like a, another big. That's part of deep. It. I mean, you were. I mean, it's, it's, not everyone's lucky enough to have that that much, that ability at that young of an age to make that kind of adult decision, because that's an adult decision that you made, at a young age yeah, in a way. And, you know what I mean? Because you like, it's almost like you really took in the thought, the idea of. I, I should be an adult about this because one day I, I would like maybe to be a fucking adult. <laughs> I never maybe have that. kids. <laughs> maybe yeah. get married, you know. Do things. I never planned anything. No. I, I've really just... I, just slidden along. I, yeah, I'm, like you were saying, you know, I just I feel so lucky. Yeah. And Gainesville has a really special population. There's, yes, it does. And I feel like when I got here, I was, I was beat up pretty bad. And... Uh, and games will really help put me together. And um, I'm glad that worked out for you that way. That's really awesome. Yeah. You know, it's cool that you were able to to get out of that and, and, and find that. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, uh, my first memory of Gainesville, I guess, it, I think it was like January, I moved here, and Butler Plaza was still under construction. Oh, wow. And this woman that I was with, we lived right back there in Wind Meadows. And <laughs> I, I remember everyone thinking that it was cold. And I like took my shirt off and went skateboarding. You know, there are all these like buildings, a freshly yeah. paved parking lot, flower planters with no plants growing in them. Perfect. It, yeah, it was paradise. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Like, Ain't you cold, man? No. So you moved here in '96, got got some shit straight, was still skating. Um, this whole time that you're after you graduate high school, you're doing all this stuff. Are you you're, you're still can are you drawing and doing all this stuff? All yeah, in this time? actually, I bought some tattoo equipment. Which kids don't do that? Don't yeah. Bought, don't bought some tattoo equipment out of a magazine. Which and that was how old were you when you did that? I would have been eighteen. I was living, okay. living in that uh, in that place in North Carolina, and uh, just started tattooing people. Which is not a, it's not a good choice, but you know at that time we didn't have the internet. I didn't know what an apprentice was. I didn't. You didn't the <clears throat> steps. The the yeah 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 yeah. I'd never. And actually, in Cleveland, up until maybe in the early two thousands, tattooing was actually illegal in the entire country. Yeah, so it's not even that I, I. There wasn't like a neighborhood tattoo shop or anything that I would see. Um, the first tattoos I saw would have been on some of the older guys in the hardcore scene, and then of course one dancing. Yeah. You know, um, but. And then, I, you know, I got my first tattoo when I was 16 from some bikers while I was still in high school. So, you know, I had had this, like, strong fascination, you know, almost this, like, excruciating curiosity about it. But, it, you know, when you're a kid, it's hard to have a dialogue with an adult. You know? Yeah. Or it was for me anyways. I was, you know, it was hard to connect, especially with tattooers. It was very cultish at that time. Yeah. And then, so I said, was bought some equipment and uh, started tattooing people when I was living there and I came down to Gainesville continued you know tattoo one or two people a month out of my apartment how, how was your so you felt comfortable enough as an artist at that time as, as someone... I think I was naive you know I didn't really understand everything that was going on yeah because once I what did, you got is all the stuff that you learned was stuff that you read from the tattoo magazines I'm guessing not even I was just kind of I mean tattoo magazines didn't really have a whole lot of technical information it was oh, mostly yeah. like a showcase for, yeah yeah for other for the artwork um, yeah I mean there was a couple books out there there was a Spalding and Rogers tattooing it as ebook that uh, I had that not not a whole lot of info there 
Yeah. Um, but at a certain point, I did realize, like, my tattoos do not look like the ones in the magazine. <laughs> you know? Why and, don't they look you know, the same? What's happening here? And I, I would just kind of make the rounds of all the tattoo shops in town, which at the time, <laughs> there were two to three. There was a tattoo shop in the old Eckerd's Plaza on 13th. Yeah. And university there. It was yeah, yeah. Tattoos Down Under. And then later, Tattoos by Edgar Bird. And then there was a tattoo shop called Cool World on 2nd Avenue. That's right. Cool World. And then Creative Bodies. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be in a guy. I, and I would just, you know, like, what do I do? I would have, like, little photographs. You know, I'd take pictures with some whatever disposable camera. And I would take them. And they'd be like, dude, you fucking suck, man. You suck. Stop. Why do I stop? I can't. What do I? I don't know what to do. I want to learn, motherfucker. Yeah, and there, the, the, the first dude who was like, "All right, I think we can work with you," was uh, Wayne Lassar, the guy who now owns Body Tech. Yeah. Who has owned Body Tech for eighteen? Is he a tattoo artist as well? Oh yeah, yeah, he's a great tattoo. Artist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, he was working at Cool World Tattoo, uh, and uh, yeah, he he was the guy who trained me and gave me a shot. Oh wow. Yeah, and the whole time, you know, I. Never stopped drawing. Always, yeah. Always loved drawing and painting. You know, a lot of. But you know, at that time, especially my drawings and paintings, were, you know, half of learning to tattoo. I think is you know, tattooing is like a building process. You know, you like it's almost like you build a good tattoo. You have to, or from my point of view, there's I'm, layers. There's layers. You there's, gotta get your, your your you know you got your ground. You got you gotta build put up your studs. You gotta you know drywall. You gotta go through everything. Exactly. Man. Yeah. So, so a lot of my artwork wasn't really oriented towards tattooable stuff, and you know I had to I had to learn. Oh, uh, so you kind of switched your art to to bend to what you wanted to do as an artist as a tattoo artist. Right. To change it in that way. Okay. Yeah. What's what was what have you? It was there a technicality difference in the two that you did in between the two that you had to learn? Like, well, you know, I think as a kid, you know, being exposed to like heavy metal music and psychedelic drugs, yeah, and uh, and doing lots of psychedelic drugs and listening to lots of heavy metal, you know, my artwork really kind of had this, you know, and kind of like no rules kind of yeah. thing, you know. It was I got gotcha. you. You know, lines, color, anger, skulls, or happiness. And <laughs> yeah, painting, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I love Van Gogh, you know, I would like sit there and try and like do palette knife paintings and stuff like that. And uh, So Van Gogh's one of your top, is he one of your favorites? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? yeah he, uh, I don't know if you... Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Tattoo of Van Gogh. There, there's something about like the, you know, his story, you know, just, you know, feeling alienated from the world, like his, the, the tragedy, tragic hero. Yeah. It was almost like something saintly about him, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just actually, I don't know why it came up in like one of my news feeds, but uh, the woman, she at one point was the oldest living woman and she died a few years ago and she remembered meeting Van Gogh. She was from Arles, France. Oh, wow. And she made some comment about how ugly and stinky he was. And I remember reading that when I was in high school and just being like, yes. Yes, of course he was. He's ugly and stinky. Don't mind. I'm trying to impress none of y'all motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> ugly, stinky. Ugly, weird. stinky is right. Yeah. That's cool, man. Shit, so you, you're tattooing, you're doing that stuff. Then you start. When did you, when I, I when did you decide to pick up a guitar? 
I, I think I got a guitar in high school. Well, I, I know I got a guitar in high school. Probably yeah. around like 13 years old. Okay. Um, you know, and one of the older guys showed me Iron Man. And then there from there on you went. And there on that went. So I, did you play in any bands prior to any bands in Gainesville? No, I never did. I mean, I would jam with my friends, but we never played out. We, we, uh, what made you What made you get into bands in Gainesville? Was it something that you were really looking to do? No, it was almost, uh, you know, it was almost like peer pressure. You get they people get pushed kind of into town, everybody's yeah. like, dude, you should fucking play, you dude. Do this. I, I, you know, I left Gainesville for. Don't be such a non guitarist, <laughs> right? Bro. Yeah. Get out there and guitar. Can't you see, man? Everyone's in a band, dude. What the fuck? What do you do when you go to shows? <laughs> if not, you just stand there and judge. Just look. <laughs> look and enjoy the show. What are you a fan? Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Point yeah. taken, right? Right. <laughs> it was. Uh, my friend, my good old friend Robinson Moore, who he sang for a band called Vanguard. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I actually, they they were looking to add a second guitar player, and we were we were super thick at that at this time. We were spending lots of time together. I was like, dude, you should play second guitar. I was like, ah, yeah, I don't think I can do that. And I was like, you totally could. You know, he'd heard me play a couple of licks at his house, and and he just kind of pushed me into it. And the second guitar thing in Vanguard never worked out. Um, but we did wind up starting a band together called The Hold. Okay. And that yep, was, yep. That carried on for, uh, I think, six or seven years, five or six So that, years. who was in The Hold? That was Rob. He sang. And then Tony DiPaolo played bass. Well, we went through a few drummers. The first one was uh, Kevin Scott. Yep. And uh, then a young guy named Kellen, who was... Uh, he was a, he was like a, he was too good, you know. I remember no, no, I remember him. Yeah, you yeah. guys were always I remember how you guys always say this motherfucker's really Yeah. He like you don't need the double bass pedal. <laughs> Go play for the Foo Fighters, asshole. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he got bored and he moved on. He got he, bored. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna go find some people in a place of real shit. Yeah. I can remember it was like one of my first like <laughs> I'm too old moments. He brought this record That's to awesome. the practice space. It was a band called uh <laughs> Between the Buried and Me, it was like this, like super prog. It was insane. It was like yeah, the craziest music. Like, I love this shit, man. This is so good. I can. Oh, so he's progging out then. Like, yeah. oh Jesus. Yeah. Neil Purton like a motherfucker. Yeah. That was cool, you know. And I'm sure he's doing excellent things. I'm sure, probably yeah. making big bucks as a yeah. studio musician somewhere. Washing dishes. <laughs> The last drummer was a DJ Martin who moved to Tennessee, and he's an incredible drummer. Yeah. Um, that was a really fun band. Those were those were great years. I remember the worst played with you guys a couple times. Oh yeah. We yeah. played some shows. Played and, the skate uh, parks. A couple skate parks. Those were yeah. Those great were shows. fun. That's that's. <laughs> wish I would have been a little bit sober. <laughs> Do you remember? Dude, those were so fun. <laughs> Park, not the spot, but the other one. I think it was called 808. Steve, yeah, maybe. Uh huh. There was a titty bar that was right next to that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that place. Did we do that? I know I've went there a few times. I think we did. It was like Ben. I think a bunch of us went over there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Next door. It was right next door, wasn't it? Yeah, it was almost like. like I don't necessarily want to be at a titty bar. Yeah, but, there's but like it's like it's else. right like, there. It's. It's they didn't have Tampa, right? Yeah. You gotta go. This can't be bad. You can't. You can't get too many scabies there, can you? <laughs> you yes, can. you can. You can. Yeah. 
So, and then after The Hold, you played in... Black Snake. And that band was around for... You guys still doing it? You know, Black Snake Because probably... I never even heard a... You guys, I never heard that you guys are done, so... It's just hard to... It's I know everybody's to, got the... Make it work. Bambinos you know, I mean, and... Yeah. Bambinos and jobs and stuff like that. Um, and that band was, was really special... I was a huge fan of the band before they asked me to yeah. be in the band. Yeah, I remember. Who was, who was that that was playing guitar for them? Well, Danny Thomas is the, you know... Yeah. He's the the guy that I wanted to play with, and then Russell Johnson... That's right. ...who wanted to pass away yep, a few yep. years ago, which <laughs> is the right. spot I filled. Um, God damn. And it was cool, too. You know, it was, it was like an honor. Even I, Russell and I had even talked about it at one point. Um, you know, he he was just kind of like slowing down and not necessarily sure about yeah what he was going to be into from moment to moment. <laughs> the hold it stop playing, and he he was just a great guy, you know. Yeah, and he had lots of great stories. I was, you know, when I would talk to Russell, I'm sure he's not a hundred years older than me. Yeah, it always felt that way, you know. Yeah, yeah. And when I would watch them play, he. They were just such great songwriters. And yes, they were. It was cool. They were, you know, those guys are lifers. And now, you know, I play with, I still play with uh, Mike Hattrick and Mike Bond, who was the last, I mean, he played one show with Black Snake. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Black Snake will play again. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good band, man. Yeah. You guys fucking, it's some rock and roll. Yeah. It is some rock and roll. shit, man, rock and roll. It's always been interesting, like, the relationship with music and tattooing tattooing is such like a demanding thing you know like you not only is the work demanding because it's a serious thing you yes. know it's a serious thing to it's do it's not a right? fucking joke it's not a joke and it can be a joke it can be fun if, if they if the person's into it exactly. <laughs> if the person's into the joke yes <laughs> but you know you gotta take it seriously and respect what's going on and you know you also have to like keep your chops up, you know, yeah. like other things. And um, so, especially when I was in the hold, and we were, you know, we called it touring, but it was really expensive camping trips. Yes, uh, it really took a lot of time away from from tattooing. And I, I always, I don't regret playing music and putting myself out there musically if that's yeah. what I was doing. But there is like, you know, other guys that. They just dedicated themselves to tattooing, you know, for those. I feel like they're just that much further down the road. But right. I don't know. Tattooing is, she's a demanding mistress, you know. Well, you know. You know I, so music is always, it's always this thing, you know, like it's, yeah. especially in Gainesville, you know, you got an, everyone knows you got a guitar, you got an app, let's, yeah. let's drag them out of the house and get them up here and play yeah. some music. Yeah, no, totally. I'm sure you have similar experiences. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so after Body Tech, you 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 went from Body Tech to a different tattoo shop down on Six. Well, when I left Body Tech, I actually left Gainesville for about three years. Did you? <clears throat> Damn, alcohol. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I when I left Body Tech, I guess it was it was about two thousand, and oh, wow. I kind of like you know I was I was in my mid twenties. So yeah, I had a super huge chip on my shoulder, and I thought I knew everything. And, uh, you didn't? I 
Some. Yeah, I knew a few yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I didn't want to open up my own tattoo shop. Yeah. Um, I never wanted to open up my own tattoo shop, really. Right. And uh, so I, I just threw all my, I did what I knew to do. I was put all my shit in a garbage bag and Traveled. get in a car and start driving around and uh, spent some time in Santa Cruz, California. Was that your first stop? Like, you went that far out before you decided, like, oh, I'm going to hang out here. I had a friend who was living there, and then me and, me and my friend, uh, Fat Jay, we drove across the country. We took our time, uh, had, had a few adventures along the way. Cool. And wound up in Santa Cruz. I actually had this vision of... I hope you guys took pictures. We got some pictures. Good. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I always made the mistake. I never took enough pictures when I was younger, like in that time period. Like, I really wish Especially I Especially in a world where there wasn't a camera. I know. There. Like, yeah, you know, like, it was so weird. Like, there were so many pictures that I wish I could have... Dude, I could have... I could have some of the best Hot Water Music fucking photo albums... Sure. ...on the face of the planet. I'm sure. Like, like, it, but... You know, like... And I love photography, too. That's the worst part. I've always loved photography. Yeah. Yeah, but I just never... This beer was more important than the camera, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I'll take it through this. No. But so, yeah, you're traveling around Santa Cruz with your, yeah, your bros. Stayed out there for a little while and then uh, wound up my... Some things called me back to Ohio and I wound up living back in Columbus for about a year and a half. Oh, right on. Which Columbus is about two hours south of Cleveland. Yeah. So it's close to my family. Some family stuff going on. And, uh, you know, the, those three years, though, I mean, I visited at least ten times a year Gainesville. You know, right. I kept up with everyone. I actually have a tattoo at Sten and Verte's Kitchen. Okay. Which is uh, <laughs> right around the corner yep. from where we are right That's now. That's right. It's yeah. like right up the corner on the yep. left. Blue, yep. blue and white place, isn't it? Yep. The porch. And then you came back here, what, 2003? 2003, yeah. And uh, I guess at that point I've been tattooing for eight years or so. And... I think it was kind of like entering this like burned out kind of phase and I wanted to just like paint and draw see what happened so I didn't really get a proper job right away just kind of like tattooing on the house I wound up taking a job like a couple nights down in Ocala with some friends that owned a shop down there yeah yeah and then uh, you know started playing music and I uh, started I took like a shift or two a week at the Atlantic when it first opened Kevin was the manager that's right that's right um I think I worked with you a couple of times over there too. Yeah, I do remember that. That's when Geoff just started working there as well. Geoff had just started working there around the time that you were quitting. Okay. It was like you just moved to town. Like, you <laughs> fresh. fresh. I think I got him fucking super stoned the first night he worked. <laughs> he couldn't fucking do shit the whole night. He was That's just kind like, of surprising. <laughs> he just kind of sat there. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry to get you so high. But. <laughs> Good job, Pops. Nice. Way to bring in the kids. And right. Then I end up working for them anyways. <laughs> Ten years later. Yeah. So, so you do that, you come back, music, bands, trying to paint. So painting and, and drawing, were you, were you trying to get into like, like selling art instead of like getting out of tattooing and selling artwork is that what you wanted to kind of do or well it was really hard to have like a cohesive mission as an artist you know it was more like I'm, I'm gonna really try and like throw myself into art 
and see what happens, yeah. see what kind of doors open, and then like every other artist before and since, nothing happened. You know, yeah. you guys had an art show like at the Krieger Warehouse or wherever the hell we did it, and everyone was like, "Oh, cool, man." <laughs> Later, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. I not that I had expectations, but I I had to make some money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, you know, it was a it was a good time to it was a, the perfect time really for me to kind of reinvest in that part of my life. Really, were there were these like kind of like your lean poor years? Well, I mean, like, did you you know like where you're kind of since, since at that point I didn't drink or do drugs. You know, it was always I, I never yeah you couldn't have gotten to been that lean or that poor because yeah that's <laughs> usually the, the that's what usually gets you in the fucking shit in the first place. It's exactly. like drinking. And all. Yeah. yeah, and I did. That's a I dumb never went to question. college, so I didn't have that. You keep. Career. You're pretty smart, Dave. Did you do stupid shit like lots of us did? No, <laughs> no I, I did Space for some stupid shit. Yeah, sure. but you know, it was probably funny, not dumb. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Oh, Good man. chance. <laughs> but so, so now you 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 did you do tattoo stuff. You ended up owning your own place there for a short time. Didn't like it, I'm guessing. The, are you talking, well, the Tat Shack, I think, was the last place I tattooed you. Yeah. The little place on 6th Street. Yeah, you had the little guy over yeah. there well, that you were doing. We, you know, the, I opened up that place. I just had some people that I was tattooing. Like, they were like, hey, my my friend, actually this guy named Calvin Martin at the time, he owned that. They were like, my friend owns this office space. You might be able to find something, you know, that'll work for you. And sure enough, it was pretty cheap and I you know set up shop there and then I wound up moving into the apartment above it and uh which is pretty pimp it was pretty rad that's kind of almost like a New York thing like you have your business downstairs and your fucking apartment upstairs like I was into it dark chocolate absolutely thank you sir mm-hmm. so yeah you how long were you over there at that spot I had carried out for a few years and at one point my you know at the time my girlfriend my now wife Laura moved in it was just too small for us. Yeah. How'd that happen for you, dude? I don't know, man. <laughs> not, not unlike that you. That girl right? blind? Because my she, wife's blind. She, I definitely. And I kept her. mine drunk. <laughs> when I first started dating Laura, there was this this great night. Um, God, I can't believe I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, <laughs> shit. You can edit me forgetting his name. Uh, um, Mike. Ronald Reagan. Good. No. <laughs> he was in Gun Mall, Mike. Okay, yeah, 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 I know you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. He was visiting, he was in town, and I was out at Common Grounds. He was like, hey man, how's it going? What's been going on? I was like, oh, you know, just tattooing and working and playing a little music. And that's my fiance over there. He was like, oh, no, that's my fiance. I'm like, that, that's actually my fiance. He's like, sure, man. That's my fiance. She's my fiance too. That's my fiance. Later, dude. Can't bullshit me. <laughs> Later that night, he saw me walking with her. He was like, "Do you know him? Are you guys like engaged?" And she, Laura was like, "Yeah." And uh, it was he had there was, there was it was absolutely not a possibility that I was with her. Yeah, <laughs> he was blown away. What what did you what did, how did that happen? Yeah, twelve years later, we've been together for twelve years. She married for eight. This August, best years of my life. Okay, she's, she's amazing. And so, she, so every every ever since you met her, shit just fucking took off and got great for you. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Same thing with me. We, yeah, we got me. lucky. Yeah. So you're at the tat shack. How long did you said you're over there for? A few years, and then she wound up getting accepted to uh, UF College of Veterinary Medicine, and my lease was expiring there at the at the tat shack, and we like magically got approved for a homeowner's loan, which actually isn't that mag- magical. Before the housing bust, everybody yeah. got approved. So we got approved. <laughs> Alakazam! Yeah. Boom! So moving out of the tat shack, it was really this kind of like pragmatic decision because I didn't want to work in that space and not know who was going to live above me. Oh, right on. Um, which I had done when I first took that space, and it, it, was, it was a little difficult to manage. Um, right on. So we, I was like, shit, well, I guess i got to figure something else out. And that was really what started Anthem with the first location over at 6th Street. Yeah. Some other people who also were looking for a, a shop to work in. Yeah. And we just kind of came together and, and made it happen. And, you know, here we are 10 years later. That Almost 10 years. I think it'll be 10 years that Anthem's been open. Wow. This December. Yeah, right? 10. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? I'm dead serious. Yeah. We opened in December of 2006. Holy shit. Yeah. Good goddamn. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I sold it to Mike and Sam about four or five years ago. I can't. It's hard to keep it all, yeah. keep all the dates straight. But And do you feel a lot better after doing that? Yeah, like, is that, was that, what was that? that? Like, how, how do you feel about that? Did you, did, I mean, it was this, you know, like, because I owned my own business for a while. I could tell you, not the most enjoyable thing in the world to do. Yeah. You know, uh, it definitely, to me, adds a lot more fucking stress on certain things. And I mean, and just watching my dad, he had his own business my whole life and just watching how he fucking reacted, you know, and everybody else I've never has ever opened their, uh, has their own business, you know, like there's this, there's this tenseness to it because you're just, there's fucking worry behind that shit, man. Sure. That's, that's fucking livelihoods and shit, you know, so I I can only imagine, I mean. You're a, su- you're a super mellow person, so I'm sure you weren't like, but, uh, you know, like, is it is it something you're glad you did? You kind of got rid of that, that weight of ownership and this made you feel more free to do what you were doing, or? I mean, the, the short answer is yes, absolutely. Sorry, Mike and Sam. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, but, I mean, it was less about, like, feeling stressed out or feeling like, it was not a good situation for me. And more about Laura graduating, you know, with her doctorate and that. Yeah. And we weren't 100% sure that we were going to be able to stay in the area because of the job market at the time. Makes sense. So we wanted to be a little bit more mobile. And then also, you know, we knew we wanted to have kids. And, you know, stressful or not, you know, owning a business is beyond a full-time job. You know? Yes, it is. And it takes... You work it regular 40 hours and you work another 40 hours on top of that 40 hours. Sometimes. And even when you don't do that, it still feels that way possible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Laura graduating just kind of matched up with the expiration of our lease, you know. And I think uh, Mike and Sam stepping up was a great thing for so many reasons. You know, I feel like they've done a way better job than I did. Yeah. But being awesome. in this house is a decision I would have never made. Right. I would have. I wouldn't have thought that it would. That it would work, and they've made it work. I mean, it's the clients have responded. You know, people love getting tattooed here. People love being here. I love being here. We've got windows. It's 
Yeah, it's a good it's vibe. A great vibe, yeah. Um, and it's so, I mean, they, I think they were just, you know, I, I just want a tattoo, you know. I don't necessarily have the vision that a great owner might need. Right, no, no, I, I yeah. get you, yeah, totally. Yeah, or I, maybe I don't have, like, the, the energy or the attention span for it, you know. Yeah. Which is why the last place, you know, was in, it, we, we made it work, you know, but it, yeah. the location was pretty low-key, low-profile. Pro, <laughs> low yeah, it was, yeah, you yeah. Had, you had to look for it to find it. Yeah, that was, that's pretty much how, how we wound up here in this room right now. Yeah, but no, that's amazing, man, and then... I mean, folks, I got I got a tattoo from this gentleman back, what's it, 2004, 12 years ago I got this tattoo from you. Wow. 12 years. Look how good that color still is, man. <laughs> Look how good you did. We got it. That's 12 years. She needs a little love. She needs, she needs to be finished. Yes, I know. I'm, that's, how, that's how I love tattoos so much, I take forever to finish them. <laughs> I like that strategy. That way, you know, by the time I die, I don't have, I, I don't end up putting on something that I'm going to be like, motherfucker, did I do that? Because <laughs> well, the one, things. the one I, I, I'm still working on covering, my white trash one. Do not cover that. No, that's the one we're going to do the, you said we we're going to do the sky around up here and make it look nicer. That one has to go. That's just. <sighs> you, can't, you can't cover up an eight ball. You can't cover it. Unless you do a bigger eight ball. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, eight ball tattoos. Who'd have thunk? But, um, is, um, while I still have you, I mean, uh, we're done for the evening, but let me tell you, this isn't going to be the only time I'm going to talk to you. This is going to be a re- reoccurring thing. Okay. It's just, uh, this is going to be my excuse to make you all hang out with me and reconnect. Perfect. So, um, Dave, thanks for doing this so much. Is there anything that you would like to promote? You got anything you got coming up? Any art shows? Anything you got? Anything you would like? Whatever you want to promote for the biz, for whatever, please feel free and say it and give your whatever addresses and Twitter versy thingies and um, let the motherfuckers out there know how to get a hold of you to get some fucking work yeah, done. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you are interested in checking out my tattoos. DaveKatinsley.com or at SleepyDaveKatinsley on Instagram or at AnthemTattoo.com or AnthemTattoo.com. Okay. Um, Are you on Twitter? I'm not, no. Okay. Have you got the hang of You know, and the other thing that I'm in a band called Electromagnet. I'm really excited about this band. No, we'll please, be, yeah, tell, talk about it, please. We're going to open up for uh, I did not know. Fight and Valiant Thor. I think it's May 27th over we're, at the Atlantic. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. So that'd be cool. We've played a few shows. Three, four piece, five piece. What is it? There's four, five of us. Five of us. Singer, two guitars, bass. Mike Hetrick from uh, Grinch and Black Snake. Rich, who works here. Singing. Mike Weaver is the singer. Oh wow! Of Sweetwater fame. Really? Mike Weaver of Sweetwater fame. Yeah. Okay. And then Mike Bond's playing drums. Cool, man. That sounds like a, is it, is it, what, are you guys going heavy? Or yeah, you guys? Yeah, it's, I think it's really the first, like, proper, kind of, like, thrash, heavy band I've been in. Mike, it's kind of like a Melvin's kind of. Oh, shit. Wannabe Slayer type thing. Okay. It's hard to describe. Sounds tasty. We sound, we sound like Iron Maiden, only better. Okay, that, well, that's easy to do. <laughs> in the name of, the name of the band again? Electro Maggot. Electro Maggot. That's right. Do you guys have a website yet? 
Oh, we just have Instagram and Facebook. Okay, so yeah. look for those guys on Facebook and Instagram. And again, Mr. Katinsley, um, brother, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, I just want to, again, take a second to, um, again, say thank you um, for all the great friendship um, over the years. Um, thank you for always being a kind-hearted um, individual. Um, thank you for always being a good listener. Um, thank you for always smiling and laughing when, when needed, because you're, you're really good about that. Um, thank you for being the artist that you are, and uh, and I appreciate everything you've done uh, in the time that we've known each other. And again, um, if it wasn't for you, I would not be who I am today. And, um, and this is my way to let you all know why I'm doing this. So if you guys need to get a hold of me, you know where to on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Tumblr. Pinterest, I'm on it all, dude. Twitter, I'm on. I'm also on Tinder, <laughs> Grinder, Clitter, Grinder, Bear Hunter, BearHunter.com, uh, Blue Blue Leather Bear Hunters. Uh, those are the ones that dress like cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. He's got a beard. He definitely knows. Yeah. But folks, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions. Um, hopefully I have the answers I usually don't but you can send those to me at jkogar at gmail.com or you can get them at apowowpops.com at my official website Um, t-shirts stickers and stuff are coming I'm still waiting on Fred Perry and Doc Martin to call me about advertising sure me too Um, they you know they they should start working with the uh, podcasting community I think it would be very important for them absolutely but uh, again, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, please watch out for each other. Watch each other's backs. Help out one another when you can. And uh, please just be kind to one another. And you all have a great night. And uh, government, government issue, uh, we are all with you on your loss. Rest in peace. We love you guys. Uh, you all have a great night. This is Pops with the Powwow with Pops. Thanks, Jay. You're welcome. Peace. Peace.